Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Have you ever been really scared before? Listen to this. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and I sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. If you've ever been scared before, and and I think we all have, there's something about this psalm that is meaningful, that, that resonates. Written by a guy, David, King David, a hero in the Old Testament, who is at one of the lowest moments of his life. His son, named Absalom, has turned his back on the king and has actually taken over the throne. He's named himself the king of Israel, and he's run David out of town. David has to flee Jerusalem because Absalom, is going to kill him, and it's all because of some family drama. It's because of a fight that happened years before, and I love, love that this is in the Bible because it's just so real. The high and mighty great King David, he's hiding out in a cave somewhere or something, maybe in a hunker down in a tent. He's feeling the sting of betrayal from his own son. He's scared. And he's starting to hear the people around him. Oh, he hears the whispers. They're starting to say, maybe this isn't King David's day. Maybe now's the time that God, though he has blessed him so many ways, maybe now is the time that God leaves him. Maybe this time God isn't going to save him like he has before. And David's starting to wonder the same. And so he sits down in the midst of that fear and he writes this psalm. And what I want to do today is just sort of slow down and and walk through it because it is so practical. David is just going to tell us, here's what works for me and here's what you should do when you're scared. So if you brought a Bible with you today, I'd love for you to join me in Psalm 3, the third psalm found in the Old Testament. And we're in a series uh, that's looking at these wisdom books, what's called the wisdom books in the Bible. And we're going through the Bible together as a church family in 2022. We're also reading through the Bible together. So I hope that you have a, a reading plan and you've been working through the Bible. Hopefully this has been meaningful to you and, and, and helpful. If you don't have one of these, or maybe you lost it, you kind of, maybe you got started, but you forgot It's okay, we got more of them at guest services. You can stop and pick one up and jump in. There's lots of year left. You can still finish the Bible. And if you don't finish the Bible in 2022, it doesn't matter. Just jump in wherever and read because nothing is wasted. I wanna just get right into our passage um, because David describes this, this thing, this thing that he's feeling that I think is gonna resonate with you. He's scared. I've been scared and you've been scared. And he describes this and tells us what to do with it. So Psalm 3, let's walk through it together. Verse 1 says this. David says, Lord, how many are my foes? And how many rise up 
against me. The backstory of this psalm, we know what's going on when David writes this. It's 2 Samuel chapter 15 to 18. You should go read it for yourself. It's, it's pretty cool. It's interesting. And it's actually in our reading plan. But like I said, it's all based on this family fight that was never resolved. King David and Absalom, his son, have this fight. And it's so bad that his son actually has to leave. He, he leaves Jerusalem. He goes on the run. He cannot be around his dad anymore. The two just can't stand each other. Now, over a few years of time, you know what can happen? You know, time sort of heals things up, right? And sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. And so there are ways that for King David, throughout this time, these few years that they're separated, he actually warms up to his son. He starts to have this sort of higher and wider perspective and go, you know, it was just a fight, and he's my son, and I love him, and I want to reconcile with him. And so he kind of tries to move towards Absalom in hopes that they can, they can reconcile, but his son is different. These two years, three years, have given him time to stew about things, have caused his heart to harden. He's been looking for ways to get revenge. And so over this period of time, what he's actually been doing is planning to take over from his dad's kingdom. So he started to build up his own little following. He started to build up his troops so that he will have an army so that he can take over his dad's throne. The Bible says that he's a super charismatic leader. He's really good looking. People are just sort of naturally drawn to him. And so unbeknownst to dad, he's starting to build up this following. He has armies that are now bigger than dad's armies. And eventually he names himself king and he claims the throne and David is forced to run. And Absalom being the great son that he is doesn't just let dear old dad get away. He sends armies to track him down and to kill him. He wants David completely gone. So David flees Jerusalem and he's trying to get away. He's trying to get outside of Israel, but he has a little bit of a problem because David is this really powerful, most powerful man in the world at the time, this really powerful king, and the countries around Israel, uh, they're not exactly friendly to him because he's super powerful and he's probably fought wars against a bunch of them and probably defeated them. So big bad King David comes to town. Nobody's rolling out the red carpet. He's been dethroned. He is now a refugee. He is on the run just looking for a place to be. And again, his son sends all these troops after him. He's in real trouble. And so he sits down and he writes what we have as Psalm 3. And he says, how many are my foes? He's surrounded on all sides. It's really bad. Now, there's something that happens for me. Maybe this happens for you as well. When I'm reading the Bible, there are some stories that I come across that I just go, oh, man, that jumps off the page. It resonates with me so much. There's other stories that, not so much, I almost have to work a little harder. And it's typically because the character in the story lives a completely different life than me. So I come to this story and I read about King David and just this journey that he's on. And I don't know, there's a part of me that's trying to connect to the story. And I'm like, you know, King David's life, I mean, for most of us, we don't live with this sort of threat of imminent danger. We don't have armies surrounding us. We don't have people that want to kill us on every side. David is literally on a battlefield. Most of us don't live that way, right? We don't have a lot of physical threats like that in our life. And so there's something about this story that is, I was having a hard time connecting to it. But as I just sort of processed through it, I thought, well, what is, 
what's David really experiencing? What, is, what emotion is he writing out of? Because maybe that's something I can connect to. And I just sort of stumbled on this idea. What if for the sake of argument today, just for what we're working through, if we looked at David's story, what if we, what if we took this first thing and we got rid of the word foes and we just changed that word to the word fears? Would that resonate more with us? Because again, maybe we don't have all these physical enemies. We don't have armies trying to take us out, but don't we have lots of fears? And isn't that actually the place that David is writing from, from a place of fear? He's scared, right? The Apostle Paul tells the Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, he says, you don't battle against flesh and blood. You don't have a physical war, but your battle is against the spiritual forces of evil and the darkness in this world. Well, doesn't darkness bring on things like fear and being overwhelmed and being anxious and being bitter and, and being depressed? I mean, you think about the idea of fear and how well we know it. You know, if you're lying in a hospital bed, for example, um, you don't have armies that are trying to kill you, but you're scared, right? So you're, you're afraid of what's going to happen. You're experiencing fear. That's what David is experiencing. Everything that he's writing, the circumstances are about armies, but he's writing from this place of fear. Does that help? Does that connect us more to the story? Maybe we don't have armies against us, but I think we all know fear, and that's what David is experiencing. He's scared. Look at verse two. Verse two, he says, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. David had so much success, he'd experienced all kinds of great things, and every time that something good happened in his life, he gave credit to God. He was faithful to give God the glory. And you just looked at his life, and you're like, this guy is the anointed chosen one. So much good. God is working out so many great things in his life. Clearly, God's blessing must be upon him. Well, what happens when he gets run out of town? What happens when there's no more blessing? What happens when the great King David is a foreigner in some land hiding out, hoping that his son will spare his life? You start to wonder, right? Is he still connected to God? In fact, David starts to wonder. He says this in 2 Samuel 15 in verse 26. David writes, if God says, I'm not pleased with you, David, then I'm ready. Let God do to me whatever seems good to him. David is starting to wonder, did I do something wrong? Did I sin? Did I do something to put me sort of outside the blessing of God and the goodness? God has always shown up in my life before. I've never been in a situation like this, and now I'm really scared. And he's starting to process this, and he's just nervous. He's just living in fear. And again, I love that this is in the Bible. Because we read all these things about King David and what an awesome guy he is. He's the man after God's own heart. We love to quote that. And yet here he is, full of doubt, full of fear, hiding out for his life. You go, is it okay to be scared? Well, David was. David had doubts. David had fears. And I love that God printed this in the Bible. Because you could go, well, God, that doesn't make you look really great. This guy who's walked with you his whole life, now he's having doubts and fears about who you are. That doesn't really make you look great, God. And God goes, that's okay, just print it. I want people to know this story. There's something interesting that happens 
uh, in David's little journey here. I'll show you more of it in a few minutes. But when he leaves Jerusalem, he takes something with him. He, he leaves the city to flee, and he takes with him the Ark of the Covenant. You remember the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant is this box that the Israelites had made that they put special sacred things in it, including the, the Ten Commandments, the law of God. And the, the Ark of the Covenant stayed in the tabernacle. It stayed behind the curtain, right? And, and once a year, the, the priest could go, the high priest could go behind the curtain, and it was above the Ark of the Covenant that God's presence came and dwelled. That's where God met with his people. And so throughout history, the Israelites would carry the Ark of the Covenant with them into battle because it was taking God's presence, because the Ark of the Covenant was where God was. It was taking God's presence into battle with them. And it sort of signified God is going to fight for us. He's going to be with us. Well, David when he leaves Jerusalem, he takes the ark with him. He wants God's presence to come with him, but he quickly decides that's not right. God's special thing, the ark of the covenant, and his presence belong in the tabernacle, and so he sends some guys to take it back home. But even in doing that, he wonders, did I just send God's presence and blessing away from me? I sent that back to Jerusalem, and that, we've always carried the ark with us because that was carrying God with us into battle, and now I've just sent it away. Did I just do the unthinkable? Did I just send God's presence, and I'm out here by myself, and now God's not going to rescue me? It's so easy to look at this and go, how could a godly man like David have doubts? How could someone who's walking with God have this kind of fear and wonder if God is going to save him? But I think that's part of the story. I think God wants us to see that godly people have doubts and have fears, and yet God is there to walk with him through this. Look at verse 3. David says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head high. Something changes here, right? Something in his demeanor shifts. Remember, it was how many are my foes. People are saying, God, you're not going to save me. And now he's shifted. Something just about thinking about spending time with God. Something has changed. You see right here, he says, but you, God, such a powerful word. We were going one direction and God intervenes and now we're going another direction. I was worried. I thought my life was over. But God, you are protecting me. He says, you are the one. There's no one else that can give me hope, God. It's you. You can fill me up. You lift my head high. There's something that has changed in the amount of time from verses 1 and 2 to verses 3. There's something that's changed in his demeanor. Jump down to verse 7. We're going to spend some time talking about what changed, what happened that caused him to have this change of heart. But go to verse 7 because that is where David actually writes down his prayer, what he says to God. And I want you to watch. I want you to watch how the fear is sort of just washed out. Verse 7, he says, Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Remember, he was scared. Look at all my foes. These people are going to kill me. Now arise, Lord. He's boldly calling on God. And I love the honesty of this prayer. It sounds very poetic. Strike all my enemies on the, on the jaw. The best I can tell is David just asked God to punch his enemies in the face. I love that. Like, I wouldn't pray that way. Something doesn't seem right about that, but that's what David does. It seems very pretty the way he's written it, but break the teeth of the wicked. It's just honest. Verse 8. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Do you see the transition? 
from fear to faith, from scared to strength. He was all doubts, and somehow he moves towards confidence. He moves towards boldness, towards courage. He's now saying that the Lord is going to give him deliverance. This word deliverance right here is the word salvation in Hebrew. This is just sort of fun Bible fact for the day. In Hebrew, let's see if I can spell this right. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua, which if you translate that into Greek, interestingly enough, is Jesus. From the Lord comes all deliverance and salvation. You just watch how everything changes from fear. It seems to wash out of his body and his heart. And what's coming out of his pen is so much different than verse one, where he said, my foes are many. They're gonna kill me. I don't know, God, if you're still with me. And now he's saying, deliverance comes from God. Blessing comes from God. You go, what happened? What changed? Well, maybe his circumstances changed. Maybe God rescued him. No, not really. In fact, his situation actually gets worse while he's uh, camping out. You can go read this in 2 Samuel, but while he's camping out and he's, he's living in fear, this guy, this random guy shows up and he just starts chucking rocks at David. And he's like, I'm gonna kill you. And he's cursing him. And he's like, you're the guy that killed King Saul. You're the problem with, you're the reason there's all these problems with the world and, and, and all this violence is because of you. And he's literally just throwing rocks at David. David's plight gets worse, not better. The dangers seem to grow and, in, and increase. His list of enemies and foes is larger, and yet he's moved from this position of fear to a position of faith, from scared to strength. And so I want to spend the rest of our time just sort of talking about what changed, what happens. There's something that happens in these middle verses, because verse 1 is so clearly, I'm going to die. I don't know if God is with me. Verse 8 is so believing that God is going to deliver him. What happens in that middle space? And again, I know there's some ways that you could look at this and go, I don't know if this connects with me. I don't have enemies. I don't have armies and, and physically people who are threatening me. I don't have people throwing rocks at me and, and cursing me. But you know fear. I know fear. You know what it is to be scared. We've experienced fear, fear of the future. Fear for our, our kids and our grandkids and decisions they have to make and things going on in their life. Fear that we'll be alone our whole life. Fear, how are we gonna pay the bills? Just, we're, we've experienced being scared. We've been there like David. So what changed? What moved him from verse one to verse eight, from fear and doubt to confidence? And again, what's so great about these wisdom books is David is just gonna straight up go, this is what you do when you're scared. Let me show you verse four and give you a couple things if you want to take some notes. Verse four, he says this. He says, I call out to the Lord. Remember, this is coming off being in fear. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. And so just first instruction David gives us, when I'm scared, I call out to God and he always answers. So when David says that he calls from uh, calls to God and he answers from the holy mountain. He's talking about Mount Zion in Jerusalem. He's referencing the fact that he sent the ark back because in so many ways as he's just wrestling this out, he's going, did I send God away because I'm here and the ark is back in Jerusalem and that's God's presence and, and now I'm miles away and I feel separated from God. Maybe he's not hearing me. Maybe he's not gonna answer me. We've felt that way before, right? Have you felt that way where God feels a little distant? But David goes, no, 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 that's, that's crazy, that's silly, that's, 
That's a lie. God hears me, and he answers me. And so he's saying, I, I call out to him. And he's telling us, when we're scared, we should call out to God. And just when you think about this at a common sense level, you think about a parent and a child. When my kids were little, if they had a bad dream, did I want them to suffer alone? Did I want them to just stay in their room and cry and, and, and be miserable and just sort of tough it out? No. I wanted them to do what? I wanted them to call out to dad. Dad, dad, I need help. Dad, I'm scared. And even in the middle of the night, it's like I'm running down the hall, right? Because I want to give them peace and I want to I take away their fears. And I am far from a perfect father. So imagine your heavenly father when you're scared. Imagine how much he wants you to say, Dad, Dad, I'm scared. Dad, I feel alone. That David is saying you got to call out to him, and he's saying that God answers. You call out to him, Dad, and he's a good dad, and he hears, and he listens, and not only that, but David says he answers, and you might push back and then go, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, 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 I've called out to God, and he hasn't answered me. I don't even know if he hears me, but he certainly hasn't answered me, and I would just say, really? He didn't answer? Or you called out to him, and he didn't answer in the way you wanted him to. There's a way that you can read this story. You can go, well, David has this sort of cosmic genie in the sky in God, and all he has to do is call out to him, and God is just waiting, ready to fix everything. But do you know what happens next in the story when David calls on God? Nothing. It's the exact same. David is still surrounded by enemies. You still want to kill him. He's still been betrayed by his son. Calling out to God is not an instant fix for our circumstances, but what does God do? He takes away fear. And he replaces it with peace and with his presence. Maybe God isn't promising to do exactly what we think he should do. Maybe he's not this great vending machine in the sky and we put in our quarter and we tell him what we want and that's what we get. No, maybe he doesn't just deliver that way. But here's what he does promise. He promises peace. He promises to take away our fear. He promises his presence. I mean, just some of the things that God talks about in, in, in the Bible. His word's not mine. God says that love casts out fear. And God is love, meaning that in his presence, there cannot be fear. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. God once is referred to the God of Shalom, the God of peace. Right? Jesus says, don't be afraid. He says that the peace that, that I have, he says, I put it in your heart. And so we have a father who hears his children and he doesn't ignore us. He answers. So call out to him when you're scared. Call out to him when you're alone. And just something else I've learned from, from being a dad that makes sense to me. I notice when my kids want something or they need something and, and they come and they talk to me, right? They call out to me. I want to help them. I listen to them and, and I want to help them. But if they really want something, you know what those rascals do? All three of them come to me at the same time and call out. And you know what that does to dad? It just takes me out, man. It's like, yeah, I want to give them Right? Whatever they want. If, if you've been calling out to dad, God, I'm scared. God, I'm alone. And you feel like he's not answering you? Get a friend. Get a brother or sister who's going to call out with you. That's what we're supposed to do. That's biblical. We pray for each other. We pray with each other. Get somebody who you can go to dad with. Dad, we're calling out to you. We need something here. And watch. 
Watch as he replaces fear with, with peace. Look at verse five. David says, I lie down and I sleep. Remember, this is, again, he was scared. What's bringing him peace? What does he do with it? He says, I lie down and sleep. He says, when I'm scared, I sleep because I know that God doesn't. You just imagine the scene. There they are. They're hiding out, they're in their tent, they're in a cave, wherever they are. He's got a bunch of his generals with him, and there's armies everywhere, right? And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do to either escape or to take on these armies so that they can retake the throne. I imagine they have a table in front of them, they've got maps everywhere, they're moving pieces all over the place, they're trying to figure out what's their next move, and here's David, and he just goes, I'm gonna head to bed, fellas. And they're frantic, right? They're freaking out, like, what are you talking about, man? We gotta solve this, and David goes, no, I need to sleep. I'm going to go, and I'm going to, I'm going to sleep. How can he do that? Because he knows that God doesn't sleep. And so often, when we're overwhelmed, when we're living in fear, life takes away our ability to sleep and to rest. But sometimes, the best thing you can do when you're panicked, when you're scared, it's sleep. It's a surrender of control to God because God doesn't sleep. He works things out. So we rest and we trust that God is going to provide for us while we sleep. Now, I mean, the caveat to this, of course, is if you're experiencing abuse or threat of physical harm, it's not ignore it, right? It's not, okay, I'll just sit here and, and God will solve it. No, get out. Get get help, ask someone to help you. But for some of us, what happens is we're scared by something. And so it keeps us up at night. We toss and we turn. And then do you know what happens? We get more tired. And when we get more tired, we get emotionally and spiritually weak. And then guess what? The enemy loves that. He wants to just plant seeds of doubt and seeds of more fear and scare you more and scare you more. And God is like, I'm a good dad. You can just sleep. I'll keep an eye on things. You don't need to toss and turn. Let me work things out. This idea that God wants us to sleep and rest in him is all over the Bible. Psalm 127 says that God gives sleep to those that he loves. Another way that it, that it says, another translation says that he provides for people while they sleep. I mean, some of the most famous words in the Bible, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What does it say? He causes me to lie down. When you're scared, when you're overwhelmed, Maybe you need to take a nap. And I know there's something about that that you go, that sounds, it's, it's, it's too simple. It sounds silly. You're giving us sleep advice. We came here to study the Bible. This is the word of God. When Elijah is depressed, so depressed, he said, God, I'd rather be dead. You know what God said? Have a snack and take a nap. <laughs> like, I got this. The same God who says, let there be light, and who says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, says, when you're scared, go to sleep, and trust that I've got this. The second half of verse five says this, I wake again. I sleep, and then I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. When I'm scared, he says, get up and keep going. The word right here, sustains, it sort of means like to provide security. The imagery is like while you sleep, you have this sort of heavenly security guard, security force around you, protecting you. David says, when I wake up in the morning, I find out that I wasn't destroyed. 
that God delivered me, that he protected me. And it's so important to remember that David is writing this in real time. This is an allegory. This isn't 30 years later and he's looking back going, you know, I really, I really could trust God during that. He's in the middle of it. He's scared to death. And he goes, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to find that I can keep going and the Lord's mercies are new. One day he wakes up and there's this random guy that comes to meet him and he brings with him a bunch of donkeys for David and his men to ride on so that they don't have to march and get tired. And he brings with him uh, fruit and cakes and, and wine, food for them to eat, to provide for them. Guess what? Tossing and turning, being awake all night and being frantic didn't bring that guy to David. God brought that guy to David. God provided for him even while he was asleep. If when you're scared, when you're anxious and overwhelmed, and you feel like you're under spiritual attack, if you would rest and trust that God is going to provide. That doesn't mean be lazy. It doesn't mean presume on God's goodness. But if you would just trust him and rest, you would find out that you can wake up and you can keep going. And if you call out to him, he gives you what you need. Not everything for life, but for today so that you have the strength to call out to him again and you have the faith to sleep again and get up again the next day and keep going. It's so, it's so practical and so simple, you could almost dismiss it, but David says, call out to God. Go to sleep and wake again and keep going. That's how he handles the lowest point in his life. And it leads us to verse six, and we'll finish here. Verse six, he says this. I will not fear I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. He's not giving himself a pep talk. He's not trying to speak it into existence. This isn't sort of self-help, motivational kind of stuff. David is saying, because I called out to God, because I know that he answers me, because I sleep in his goodness, and I wake up and I experience his mercy, he says, because God has sustained me, I will not fear. So maybe you're not surrounded like an army, uh, by an army like David. Maybe you're not overwhelmed by a physical enemy, but you're overwhelmed by life. Maybe you're scared about the future. I was thinking about just our church family and seeing prayer requests and just praying for people this week and thinking about everything that our church family is going through. There are people who, are, who have experienced loss. There are people who are unemployed. There are people who are going through a divorce. There are people who have had a miscarriage. There are people who have cancer. There are people who are facing the consequences of poor decisions. There are people whose families are torn apart right now. There are people who are impacted by suicide and everything in between. And that's just this week. Fear is real. Being scared is something we all experience. So what do we do with it? I think like David, we just go back to the character and the track record of God, and we go, I will not fear. David puts in this space, I will not fear, though tens of thousands of troops surround me. What lives in that space? What's keeping you or could keep you up at night? What could cause you to toss and turn? What are you afraid of? The Apostle Paul tells Timothy that the, the, the spirit of God is not a spirit of fear, Fear is never from God. Call out to him. 
And if you're going, man, I, I, I've been calling, I haven't heard an answer, get a friend, get a brother or sister in the Lord and call out to him together. That's what we're supposed to do for each other. If you're scared, take a nap. I know it sounds so silly and simple. Rest and trust so that you can wake up and find out that God delivered you and didn't destroy you and his goodness is there and it's new and ask him for what you need and he'll give it to you. David's story is there's no sort of cute, clean ending to this. He gets the throne back, becomes the king of Israel again, but it's not without loss. His son who chased him down, his son dies, and he is just destroyed by grief, David is. So you know what he does? He starts all over again. He calls out to God, and he sleeps, and he trusts that God will sustain him. And if you're scared, if you will call out to him and trust him, he'll sustain you too. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I'm so grateful for your word. I am so glad, so thankful, God, that you didn't write a fairy tale. Some story that we would look at and go, I can't even relate to that. It's too perfect. You wrote these stories of real life. Stories where a guy like the great King David has doubts and fears like me. God, we have all kinds of things that overwhelm us and you know every one of those things. And I pray, God, that we would take David's advice. It sounds too simple. It sounds too good to be true, too easy. That we would call out to you when we're scared. God, you know, sometimes it feels like we call and we call and we call and like you're not answering. But God, you promise that if we call out to you, you'll fill us with peace. And so God, even right now, we know that your spirit is among us and in us. God, we call out to you and the things that make us anxious, the things that are overwhelming us, the things that we're scared about, we call out to you now, God, and we know that you can put peace in our hearts. Drive out the fear, Lord. Father, help us to sleep. God, you know the ways that some of us have tossed and turned. We've stayed awake into the dark morning hours because life is heavy, because we see so many problems we think we need to solve. God, help us to sleep and trust and rest in you. Because when we wake up in the morning, we see your mercies new. We see your goodness fresh, and we know that you deliver us. God, thank you for this little hint of Jesus in Psalm 3. You remind us that all salvation and deliverance comes through him and that we can call out to you in his name and we do that today through the powerful name of Jesus. We pray these things, amen.